0: Lord, Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We appreciate you, Lord. There is none like you are. We can never thank you, enough you know, for all you do for us. You desire our prosperity, our increase, our development. You desire the best for us, more than we can ever think or desire for ourselves. You are a great God. This morning, Lord, we say thank you for the opportunity to come together as a church to celebrate the family. Father, we give you all the praise. For all that you do, we bless you for our children. We bless you for our toddlers. We bless you for our preteens and our teenagers, our young adults and our youths. Thank you, oh God, for all the mommies and daddies. Thank you for all the elders. We give you all the praise for life, for health, for strength, for grace, for ability. Physical abilities, Father, we bless you for it. For putting resources in our hands and our pockets, Father, we say thank you. This morning, oh God, Father, we ask, please accept our thanks in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence in our midst since we started. We want to hear the word. There is no teacher like you are. Please come and teach us. Keep us attentive. Let your word get into our hearts. To bear fruits and transform our lives, transform our homes. And transform everyone that we come across in life in the name of Jesus. And every assignment that our hands are laid upon. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Please let us put our hands together for Jesus as we take our seats. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We thank God that we're celebrating the family weekend of RCCG. The family weekend actually started since Thursday and it's culminating today Sunday with the Thanksgiving. Um, Here I have a manual from Mommy Gio. Mommy Gio is the chairperson of the National family, Affairs, family, National family Affairs Board of RCCG. So she has a manual that she has prepared for us to use. So I will just go through the manual and I will try to summarize it. I know our time is far spent. And as, I will, as we listen, and I, I know the word of God will bear great fruits in our lives in Jesus' name. So the topic I have here says the ever-increasing family. The ever-increasing family. Uh, the manual is in four segments. We have one for, we had, we had one on Thursday for the young adults and the youths and the teenagers. And there's also one for the elders, but we couldn't take it on Friday because we didn't gather on Friday. So I will just briefly touch on that. That one talks about the ever increasing faith for just maybe five minutes. But the main topic today is the ever increasing family. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Please, can we open our Bible to um, Hebrews chapter 11? Our classic on faith. Hebrews chapter 11. That's our classic on faith. Just briefly. Verse 1. Ever increasing faith. So there are two important words here. Faith and increase. And it says... Hebrews chapter 11, just a minute. It says, Faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance and the evidence. Praise the Lord. Simply put, from what our mommy wrote here, when you give your life to Christ, you're on a faith journey. Because we became believers, we were born again by what? by faith. And the Bible tells us in different parts of the Bible that we ought to walk by faith and live by faith. So if you are born by something and then you decide to live outside that thing, it becomes a big problem. So in summary, the life journey of every believer is a journey of faith. You are sitting on this chair now based on your experience with the chair. You have faith in the chair and the chair will carry you to the end of service. It cannot scatter while you are sitting on top of it. But the faith that we are talking about is the one that has no empirical evidence, no experience, no testing. It's the faith that is based on God Almighty. Praise the Lord. So the first point is, our life as believers is a journey of faith. So every day you wake up tell yourself ah I've woken up again to another journey of faith. And the Bible tells us that without faith no man can please God. So if we are born of God and we are born of faith and we cannot please him without faith. It simply means that if you have not been living by faith before you better learn to live by it. Praise the Lord. Increase can faith increase? In John chapter seventeen, the, the, the apostles asked Jesus, said, "Jesus, should pray for them that their faith should increase." And what was his answer? He said, "Before you even think of your faith, that your faith should increase, or me to pray for you to increase, why don't you use the one that you have already? That if you have faith as tiny as a mustard seed, you can move mountains, you can do anything." So the answer to number two is: our faith can increase. But how will it increase? Action. First point, our life is a life of journey of faith. Second point, our faith can increase if we begin to use the little tiny faith that you think you have. I'm sure many of us have seen the mustard seed, how tiny it is. So put action. Put action. You say, oh, I need to get a job. And then you begin to pray. Ah, God has promised me that I'll be the head and not the tail. And you don't do the action of searching for the exact job you want. When you have found it, you check the criteria and see if you have it. And if you don't have it, you begin to put yourself through certain kinds of training and tutorship for you to, to acquire what it needs for you to get that job in the first place. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. And she mentioned there are different kinds of faiths. We have no faith. We have mustard seed faith, we have little faith, and then we have great faith. And then faith can grow, can progress. When you think back now and say, okay, let me even remember the things that God has done for me in my life. Maybe things that I had nothing to do about it, God just did them for me. I'm sure everybody will have at least maybe one thing to tell me in the last one or two years. All right? And then that builds your faith. You climb up another step, another ladder of faith. It's a progression. You keep moving because you remember what God has done. That you didn't, that there has no human attachment to it. So faith grows. Some of us are at the level of no faith. Some are at the level of mustard seed. While those who are sincere to themselves that, oh, God has brought me from here to here, their faith has progressed from little faith. To great faith, and then they can begin to trust God for bigger things, things that are unimaginable. So finally, we cannot do without faith. We can't do without it as Christians. You can't. Or else you won't, it won't move, you won't increase. People will just be passing you by, things will just be happening. And then finally, faith is a mindset. The Bible says, renew your mind so you can know what is acceptable. And what is the perfect will of God. So faith is about mindset. Substance. Of things hoped for. I'm hoping for something. But I know I will get it. Because you you now change your mindset. And then you can imagine. Yes, I will get that thing. No matter how long it takes, I will get it. Oh, this marriage is having problems. My home is not where it should be. But I know this is not how it ought to be. And I know a day is coming. You have Program your mind to the fact that a day is coming where this marriage will be, what God wants it to be. So his mindset, oh, I can never get to that level. It's a lie. There is no limitation in God. No limitation at all. In John chapter 1 verse 16, it says, we have received of his grace. Grace after grace. I'm praying today. Because that's always my prayer that every ministration should make impact. And I am praying that if your faith is at no faith, you begin to remember the things God has done for you before. And then you begin to understand that, yes, I need to move from this level of faith to another. And I pray that God will release the grace upon us today in the name of Jesus. And to grow our faith, we need to create time to relate well with God. Have a relationship. And God will bless us speedily. Faster than we can ever imagine in the name of Jesus. Okay, let's move to our topic today, which is the ever increasing family. Let's open to our text in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. We have two texts. One is Job 8, 7, the other is Luke 5, 20, 52. Let's look at Luke 5, 52. It talks about Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, the story there is the last, is the last verse, it's about Jesus how Jesus was taken to the temple, prayed for, how his parents went back home, and when he was 12, the parents went to Jerusalem, and they forgot that he, was, he stayed behind, and he began to do the work of his father. And finally, in verse fifty-two, the Bible said, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. Look at verse 40. This was before he began to do the work of his father, after he he was taken to the temple and everything was performed according to the, to the rules. He says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 40 and verse 52 are almost the same thing. Jesus Christ increased physically and spiritually with God and with man. We are here today, we are believers Because of what Jesus Christ did. So if our God can increase, then our families also also increase in every area. Ever-increasing family. There shouldn't be stagnancy in any area of our life. Every family is made up of individuals. Father, mother, children. If there's stagnancy in the life of the father, it's a big problem on the family. If there is on the mother, on the children, it's a big problem. Now, we all know that the family is the foundational institution of every society. You look at Akbarana as a community. You see homes, and then you see families. It's families that make it up. Families that make up society. And how the family starts By marriage. A man marries a, ma- a woman. And then they begin to create family. So in a family, you find people who are related by marriage, by blood, or by adoption. We all are members of God's family by adoption. Because of the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross of Calvary. So that's what a family is made up of. And it is in the family that your character is built. Because you, you are born into a home as a little baby. And you become a toddler. You recognize, oh, that's, that's my daddy, that's my mommy. Your first impression is created in the family. The family is very important. And when God started at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, he started with family. So what I'm trying to say is we need to understand how important the family unit is. Very important. It's in the family you learn how to separate wrong from right. It's in the family you learn how to relate to people. How to work with God. You learn to know God from whatever your family presents before you as a growing child. So it's progressive. It's a good thing. But it can also be retrogressive if that, that family is not doing the things that God expects the family to do. It's my prayer that if there's any family here, under the sound of my voice, or any family that belongs to our church... To the body of Christ that is not doing the thing God expects them to do at the mercy of God will locate them today for the good in the name of Jesus Amen. so there are certain things that we need to understand as God's blessings and covenants on families that we can be a partaker of what is the first one we can increase numerically Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God blessed man and woman. And he said, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. that they should increase, multiply, replenish the earth. So if there's anyone here in any home... Say, oh God, why have, why, why have you not blessed me with the fruit of the womb? What God is saying to you this morning is be patient. He will get to you in Jesus' name because it's a covenant of increase. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Be fruitful multiply, increase and the second text that we have for today, Job 8-7 it said, though your beginning may be small your later end shall greatly increase, so we have a covenant of increase that you can stand upon I we'll say yes, this is God's promise and God's promises will never fail They'll say okay, there's no increase in this area of my life, in this area of my family I demand increase and you sit on it with faith, believing that yes, your own increase would come and it will come in the name of Jesus. The second one is peace. There's a covenant of ever increasing peace. That is it. You can find that in, a, in, a, in Isaiah 54, verse 10. Isaiah 54, verse 10. The covenant of peace it says, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. Praise the Lord. You know, some things can happen in life. If I have a tragedy, something just happens suddenly, and, it, and the peace of that home is taken away. And everybody's shaking. Is God still there? You can see this. There's a covenant of peace on our life. But some people may say, okay, so why am I not having peace? This thing has been lingering for too long. Maybe by the time I go to the next segment in this manual, we will understand that all these covenants that God has given us, there are things that we too ought to do. There are expectations. You know, the book of the law, the Bible, it's like a contract. God will, God will say, if you do this and you do that, you'll get this blessing, you'll get this blessing. Be ye holy as I am holy. Do this and do that. So we'll come to understand and then we'll come to examine ourselves to say, okay, yes, this ever increase that God is talking about is it because of this or this or that I am not getting it and then God will help us with the strength and the grace that we need to do the things we ought to do for our families to continue to increase non-stop in the name of Jesus number three there's a covenant of ever increasing security oh we are very conversant with that Psalm 91 Psalm 91 everybody this one is very important let's open it ever-increasing security. is so important now in the days that we're in. Everybody, let's open to Psalm 91. I would like us to look at this. Ever-increasing security. Psalm 91. We're l- looking at verse 10 to 13. It says, There shall no evil before thee. Neither shall any plague come near thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Verse 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder; The young lion and the dragon shall thou trample on their feet. Covenant of security. So in other words, whether you are sleeping, the angels are carrying you. Whether you are walking or you are awake, the angels are carrying you. Whether you are facing ten challenges or one, the angels are carrying you. Covenant of security. This is a promise of God and his promises never fail. The fourth one is ever-increasing joy. Psalm 35 verse 10. Ever-increasing joy. Psalm 35 verse 10. The other one is ever-increasing kindness and mercy. God has everlasting mercy upon us who fear him. That is Psalm 107, verse 17, and verse 18. And the final one is ever-increasing blessing. Everybody, let's open to Psalm 112. I want us to also look at this. Oh, why am I not blessed? What is going on in my life? 112, there's a covenant for you and I. Verse 2 to 3, it says, His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be Blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in your house. And your righteousness shall endure forever. Praise the Lord. I want to look at that verse 2 again. His seed, seed shall be upon the mighty. The generation of the upright. You know, you know. sometimes we read these things and we just look at the blessing. There's a condition. Generation of the upright. So as, as, as long as God has provided blessings and covenants of blessings upon us, there, is, there are also expectations. We are all members of different families from different tribes. Some are Yoruba, some are Igbo, some are Edo, some are Ishan, some are Ishekiri. Some are from the north. Every family and every tribe has traditions and values, right? And that's why some fathers, when they see their children not doing what the values of the home or the principles of the home or the beliefs of their tradition or their tribe say, say, "Ah, this boy is not my child. The same way as children in the family of God, we have our own values. We have traditions. God has given us covenants, has given us Commandments. One of them is love your neighbor as you do what? Love yourself. There is nothing attached to it. Oh, she talks too much. Oh, she said that about me. There is no condition. So, one of the principles, the values of the, of, the, of, the, of the family of God. That's why the Bible says, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Am I upright? Am I walking by the values of the, and the beliefs of the family of God that I belong to? Now Mijio went on to talk about prerequisites. That's conditions that we must meet. To be able to enjoy all these covenants that I mentioned. Covenant of increase. Numerical increase. Covenant of peace. Security. Joy. Covenant of blessing. And divine mercy. There are prerequisites. There are conditions. There are things we, we have to do. It's just like you employ somebody in your office and they're going to pay her $100,000 every month. That's a a big blessing, right? What do you expect? You You give her a JD. This is your job description. So she has her own expectations for her to get that money at the end of the month. So what's number one? Our families must please God. Our home. In Revelations... Um, verse 4, 11. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. We are created to give God pleasure. So every day we wake up, every minute we take a breath, God is supposed to look down on us and be happy. Oh, that my son is actually pleasing me. It's just like you make a phone, You yeah? the manufacturer of this phone. There are things you expect this phone to do. If the phone is not doing it, the manufacturer is not happy. It means all the investment into this phone is a waste. God has put investments in our lives. And those investments are supposed to bring in pleasure every day that we live. So our families must please God in every way. The husband, the wife, the children. Jesus said in John eight twenty nine. He was telling us about how he doesn't do anything without God's consent. It's everything I've come to do. I'm doing because God sent me. Every word I've spoken is because God asked me to say them. In other words, he came to please God, nothing more. So in our homes right now, we should be thinking in our families, is there any area in which we are not pleasing God? Is there anything we are doing that God will look down on us and say, Ah, my God. Why did, I, why, did I even, why did I even create this person? Is there any area? You know, in, the, in Philippians 2.13, it says, It's God that works out the willingness to do his good pleasure. So our prayer should be, Father, if there's any area in my life in which I'm not pleasing you, please help me. You are the one that works out. Give me the grace. Give me the strength. Give me the enablement to do the things that will always make you happy when you look down on me. Every good businessman expects good returns from his investments. Is that not true? It's the same thing. God is ready to do more for us than we can ever imagine in our little human brain. Much more. There is no limit to what we can act- actually achieve in life. No limit. But he expects us to do the right thing. To live right. I pray that God will give us the grace in the name of Jesus. The second one is our family must be unified. There must be unity. You know, sometimes it's really sad when you see a husband and wife or husband, wife and children in a family who cannot sit together and laugh over some gist for at least 30 minutes. It's not nice. The family unit is so important to God that God began with it. He created Adam. Made Adam a priest. Made him a king. He created an altar for Adam. My, my, my brothers here were listening. Our daddies. And the Bible said in the cool of the day he will come to fellowship with Adam. To spend time with Adam. Union. Fellowship, communion—that's what should happen in our homes. A family that is not united works with confusion. We can look at there's strife. James three sixteen. If there's strife in a home where husband and wife cannot sit down, communicate, laugh, and just for at least thirty minutes, there's a problem a home that is divided, can't come together now and ask for blessing because you're supposed to be in unison, you know, together, to pray together, to ask for things together, to gist together, to discuss, to make plans. If you can't do that, then how do you expect the family to move forward, to increase, to develop, and get to that level where God wants the family to get to? So the second thing is, there must be unity in our homes. For every family to increase, she said the increase of every family is based majorly on the unity in that family. When two people are together and they don't agree, can they achieve anything great together? They can't. Now, one person is looking this way, that person is looking the other way. Our husbands are supposed to be the spiritual heads in our homes. To create that oneness before God. That unity. said, The third one is ever increasing devotion. We need to be devoted to God. So I'm taking the two together. Unity and devotion. God expects that. How devoted are we to God? In Joshua 24, 15, Joshua said, Me and my household, we are for what? We we'll serve the Lord. When, when Elijah, Elijah did the display on Mount Carmel, said, if you want to serve God, to devote yourself to him, to be with him, come this way. It's so always good to serve God and serve God 101%. Because a family unit is very important. If in this community, this community wants to do something great and the families that make up this community are not united, they are not devoted to God, they don't have one vision. There's a problem. They can never develop this community. It's impossible. So please, let's try. Let's try. I'm sure it must have taken our mommy time to put this together. And I'm sure everything I'm talking about resonates with us because we are all members of of families. We have husbands, we have mothers here, we have children. God expects us to be devoted to him, to be together. Not the wife doing one thing the husband doesn't know about or the husband doing one thing the wife doesn't know about. Especially when those things they are doing does not align with the will of God. The family can never move forward or increase. And I'm praying that God will give us grace today. God will give us strength. He will give us the enablement we need to put our family together as one unit that is coded together, devoted to God in the name of Jesus. Remember the story of the Tower of Babel. When, when they came together, God said, nothing will stop these people, Lou, because they have one vision. They are united. So let me scatter them. When husband and wife are together, in your vision, in your plan, in taking your children forward, there's nothing that will be possible for you. It may take some time. Some may be easy. But you will achieve greatness. Bigger than you can ever imagine. And I know that will be our portion in the name of Jesus. In Revelation 3.16, I want to quickly mention, if I go to the next one, thought about being lukewarm. Some people are not devoted to God. Some people are just hanging by the fence. So it's either you jump in fully and be immersed in the work of God and allow the Holy Spirit take over your life completely. Or you jump, over, jump away from, the, from, from, from that fence to the other side. But I'm praying today that if you are sitting on the fence, God Almighty will not spew you out of his mouth in the name of Jesus. Or do you get encouragement to fully incorporate yourself and immerse yourself in Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. The other one is you must have increasing trust in God. Trust in God is very important these days, because terrible things are happening. Challenges are increasing. Especially with what has been happening since last year. We need to trust God and trust him more. Our hearts must be stayed on him. In um, Isaiah 26, verse 3. Please can we have it? Isaiah 26 verse, verse 3. Our hearts must be trust, must be, must must be, must be placed on God. We must put our hold on God and become unshakable. He said "Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in thee. If your mind is stayed on God, your trust is in him. His peace will overshadow you. And that will be your portion in Jesus' name. We can also look at 2 Chronicles 16, 16, 16, verse 9. I need to rush. We can read that later. And then Psalm 125 that talks about you become immovable when you put your whole trust in God. There is nobody that trusts in God that gets disappointed. If your trust is in God and fully in God today, you will get the reward for your trust in the name of Jesus. The other one is ever-increasing knowledge and fear of God. I'll just use Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego as an example so that I can move to the next thing. In Daniel 3:16 to 18, they told the king, our fear in God and our knowledge of him is so deep that we refuse to do what he wants us to, to do. It's so, so deep that even if God does not come to save us from this thing, our trust and our fear in him is unshakable. You know some of us, ah, I believe God. Ah, God is my life. I trust him. Ah, God is too much. Because you are enjoying now. You're on the mountaintop. By the time you step into the valley, you forget that the same God on the mountaintop is the same God in the valley. And then you turn around and the next thing we see is compromise. Eh, I'm a human being now. Uh, What can I do? I'm a human being. What can I do? But let's look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They knew God so well that nothing can tell them otherwise. Even if he doesn't come down to save us, we won't do what he wants. That is the level uh, that God wants wants us to get to. That's where he wants you to get to. And I pray that we all get there in Jesus' name. The other one is ever-increasing intimacy. Intimacy is so important. Genesis chapter 3. It said God entered. They heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Mark 3.14. It said when Jesus Christ called the the disciples or the apostles... The very first thing was that they be with him. I read it again. That they be with him, create relationship, become intimate, get to know him, so he can teach them the readings of grace. The next thing was for them to be blessed, to be given the power to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to do miracles. Intimacy with God. How many of us get up every morning? And the first thing you do before you even open the phone, no, the phone is very tempting, especially when you sleep by, by the side of the phone. Hmm? Some people, I don't know whether some people are afraid to put off the phone when they want to sleep so they don't miss important Instagram messages, eh? Facebook messages, or some ping, 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 pong pong ping, you even wake up. In the morning, I you say, sister, you don't sleep well, now walk. It's a lie, yo, it's phone. Can we create that, that love, that desire to get to know God? Or you want to go out, ah, Holy Spirit, I want to go out today, and I need to be back by five o'clock. Which route should I I take? Some people say, ah, your own is too much. It's not too much. Intimacy. You will get to a point where you will just hear, ah, don't go out today, please sit down. And you are so used to the voice, because you have created that relationship, that atmosphere. I heard the story of a man who will wake up every morning, when he's going to work, he will go and sit down inside the sitting room. He won't say a word, he will just say, Holy Spirit, I am here. He won't say one word. True story. The story was told to me by the, one of the leaders of Full, full, full Gospel. Is it Full Businessman's? I don't know how they call it. On the estate. When we used to have fellowship in Dr. Jai's house. Every day, he won't say one word for 10 minutes. Suddenly, he became sick. Very sick. Sick unto death. And then man said one day, he would just lie on the bed. And somebody entered and he said, Ah, nurse, you have come again. And the person was in white. When he looked, say he was afraid. He said, No, it's not nurse. It's the person that you visit every morning that you sit down with, you won't say a word. But I know your challenges, I know what you are going through, I know everything. You will not die in this sickness. It was like an apparition, it was like a revelation. I don't know, it was like, I don't know what to call it. And that was the end of the man's sickness. Just sitting down 10 minutes every day, saying nothing. He said, whenever I he see, he will say, Ah, God, you know, I don't even know what to, I don't even know where to start from. The wallah is just too much. Which one will I present before you? You know everything. So I, I will just sit down and just enjoy your presence. Intimacy. Because when you're you able to do that, then you'll be able to create intimacy with your family members. There are some people when, when their dad is home, when they hear that this or hey, that they don't they come. Everybody's scattering in the house. Your children cannot say, Ah, daddy's is coming back, and they are happy and they will stand there and they are waiting. Some women, God will have mercy on also. All of us that are women know. You know I'm a woman, all of us. Ah, I'm not going home now. That woman, her mouth is too much. I want to wait outside. Maybe by the time I go, she should have slept. Maybe by 11 or 12 midnight. Because we are created. We have the anointing to talk. We can talk from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. Just when we are angry. No intimacy. You can't sit down and play with your children. Lie on the floor and play and they climb you like, like, like donkey. Mommy Gio here mentioned social and physical intimacy. Spiritual intimacy and emotional intimacy. So I'm talking about the social and physical one. Gave him an altar. He comes in there to talk with him. So that Adam can understand spirituality, understand what he needs to do at the altar to be able to handle his home and his family the best way God wants him to do it the woman just came as an afterthought but the icing on the cake Oh, Adam can't do this in very well let me, give, let me put an icing on this cake give him a helpmate most of our daddies have left that, that position, that, that job now, they have given it to mommies. mummies are now the spiritual heads in the home let us pray. I beg, I beg, I beg. If you don't know, you don't say you don't go Go, pray for two minutes. Don't start the prayer. We are born of God. John 15, verse 5. If you look at John 15 from the beginning, he says he's divine. We are the branches. Now, if you bring a small, a small like this flower now, or you pluck something from the ground. You will see the branches. They, they suck nutrients from the roots. It goes straight and, and extend to the branches. For the branches to bear lovely leaves and fruits. That same John 15-16. He 16, 15, 16, said, I have ordained you for you to go and bear fruits. So you are ordained. There is an ordination on your head, on my head. For increase. Fruit bearing is increase development moving from one level to the other in every area of your life so if you now decide that I don't want to suck those nutrients that make me grow what does that tell you intimacy with God and then it can flow down into your family your children can see you and laugh with you your children can touch your face in our time we can't touch our daddy's face so. but now my son can come and ah, daddy how are you doing and touch the head eh? Ah, mommy how now what's up Intimacy with God, intimacy with our family. Especially for our growing children. The young adults. I've seen a lot in my life in the past 10 years or more of teaching teenagers. We need to create that intimacy to draw them close. So we can hear from them. Those things that you are eager to hear, they will tell you by themselves. You'll be amazed. So that our families can be on the path that God wants it to be. And I pray that that will be our portion as we build friendship with God Almighty, friendship in our homes and in our families in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Emotional intimacy, transparency, sincerity. Eh? Not that you go and buy two plots of land, build two houses, and tell your wife, ah, there's no house, so I'm trying to build. This is my father, I have two houses, now she will, she will tell me, let's put tenants, and she wants to be collecting all the money. Intimacy sincerity the truth you see all god is looking for us for us to prosper with him is availability sincerity willingness it doesn't take much the rest will flow oh i don't want to get too much into god because i cannot pray for three hours or four hours no by the time you you create sincerity with god you show god your heart there's no lie I was telling my teenagers the other day, I said, You just come to the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, CEO, in my class, there's one boy. I thought, I thought I'm crazy for that boy. And I know that it is wrong to do that. You are being sincere to the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to do the wrong thing. He said, Ah, mommy. I said, Yes, you can tell the Holy Spirit like that. You are being sincere. I found a boy in my class. And I love him so much, but I know it's wrong. Holy Spirit, please, what do I do? And I don't want to offend God. That is just an example of sincerity. God will give you the grace because I see in your hearts. Not when you begin to pretend with God. God just wants sincerity, availability, and your willingness. The rest is grace. He will put it upon you. In fact, you will do greater things that you never expected that you will do with God. And for God in Jesus' name. The final two, we need to learn to sow and to reap, to give offering, to give tithes, to help the poor, to help the needy. So Joy here is saying that we need to learn that the Bible says when you give more will return to you. The level at which you give the level at which you will receive. We know the scriptures. We can write them down and read them later. 2 Corinthians 9.6 Luke 6.38 and Proverbs 3.9-10 So we need to learn to do this, to, to, to learn the principle of sowing and reaping. And it's not only when you sow money or something, when you sow seeds of discord amongst brethren, you will reap it. That's the truth. If you sow a bad seed, it will return. The Bible says, he that digs a pit will do what? Will fall into the pit he has dug. He that rolls a stone onto his head, shall he what? Shall he return? So if you sit down and you backbite, you gossip, you do this, you do that, just understand that it's coming back. And then we teach our children that Teach them the golden rule. Do unto others what you want them to do to you. And then diligence. No idleness. Oh, Father, come and bless me. You told me that I will increase, I will make money, I will do this, I will do that. What are you doing? Are you sitting down every day waiting for people to give you fish? Have you gone to ask them to teach you how to fish? What's the work of your hand? Everybody must be engaged. The Bible says, he that does not work with his hands, will not what? Will not eat. So diligence is what God expects us to do. We need to walk so we can be honored. And that will be our portion in Jesus' name. And the last one says, you must ensure that your family works against the agents of decrees. You can write it down, Proverbs sixteen seven. Malachi three ten to 12. Isaiah 3, verses 10 and 11. Because of time, I can't read all that now. Now, finally, when we say family, we know that in the church of God, we have single parenthood, right? We have families that are headed by a single parent. Maybe a female or a male. It could be as a result of having children out of wedlock. It could be as a result of youthful mistakes. It could be as a result of divorce it could be as a result of death so we have single parents who are young people have children we have those who are widows widowers single mothers single fathers what we are saying today includes you as long as you have settled yourself with god and you are sincere oh lord i made a mistake first one was a mistake second one mistake i don't want to do it anymore God, you can see my heart. I need your help. I commit this, my family, into your hands. As long as you are sincere, you have settled yourself with God. Over that past mistake. That family that you are heading is also part of the family of God. Praise the Lord. So let not, nobody think that, oh yes, oh my own family is you, my own family is white. It's not the way God wants it. No. In Isaiah 54, Please, can I have Isaiah 54? I think I will close with this one. Isaiah 54, verse 4 to 5. Isaiah 54. So, the first thing is if you are a single parent, know that God is with you, He's on your side. I want us to look at this, and He's, he's your provider and your burden bearer. He said, Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. Neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth. You forget it. So if you have made past mistakes and you have become a single parent, whether a female or a male, look forward to good things. He said, All things are passed away. The glory of what? Hello? The glory of what? Is better than the what? You forget the shame of, of, of your youth. The mistakes, they are gone. You are a new creature in him. Look forward. Apostle Peter said, I don't look back at the things. And I look forward to the glorious cause that God has called me for. So look forward. Some young people who are, 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 are single parents. I've gone ahead to remarry. If that is your desire and the will of God for you. Some who are widowed, have gone ahead to remarry. Some didn't even marry at all. In Luke chapter 2, we saw Anna. Anna was married for only seven years but we do for 84 because that was God's will for her and she did get great things for God despite the fact that yes this is how her own family, her own home is so look forward to the best because your provider, God almighty is your God and the God of other families that you believe they are well structured because there's a man and a woman and children and God will bless you in Jesus name so don't lose your faith because of your position but beware of temptation because it will always come. Beware of temptation. The Bible says we should flee from the devil and give no room. You can look at Ephesians 4.27. Give no place, give no room for the devil. It's always good as a single person or a single parent. You know what your weakness is. Even married couples in families, if you know what your weakness is then stay away and deal with it. Don't pretend. Oh, I'm a superwoman. That one, doesn't, that one doesn't affect me. You will fall flat before you know if I, everything has finished. Because in, when, when you say that, you are glorying in your own ability, which ought not, ought not to be. Then finally, serve God with joy, even as a single parent. Serve God with what? With joy. He says, serve God with gladness. Psalm 101 to 2. And rejoice always. You know, a glad heart produces a cheerful countenance. And when you are cheerful and positive, there are some forces you can't explain. It will pull good things your way. But when you are sad, always sad, oh what am I even being grateful for? Hmm? I'm a single parent. I'm a widower. I'm a widow. The Bible says God is the father of the widow. Isn't that so? The husband of the widow and the father of the fatherless. But some of us, like our brother said, our brother that took the opening prayer. You say you tell God things and then you use your heart to destroy them. So to conclude, the purpose that God has for our families is for us to increase in every area. Increase in our relationship with him and with our family members. To enjoy the covenants of peace, security, increase, and different things. And we can't do that if we do not build a solid, intimate relationship with God. God gave us a template in the book of Genesis. When he created Adam and Eve. The template is there. Intimacy with God. Create relationship with God. So you can put your family together as one. Both husband, both wife. The wife supporting and helping in every area. We know about the prodigal son. I'm closing with that one. He said, Father, give me my own well. Divide it and give me my own. And then when he went, he squandered the whole money. And saw so that he cannot do without his father. He now came back. I beg, let me go back to my father. My father is wealthy. Let me not stay here and be, and be trying to beg pigs to give me their dung to eat. When we do not align with God, for our families. It's like we're saying yes, we can handle it on our own. It's just like what the prodigal son did. It's like the vine, the branch breaking off. I said, I don't need the nutrients from the vine. I don't need the nutrients from the root. It's like fish, fish, fish saying, I can survive outside water. It can't work. God is the head of every family unit. Family unit is important to you. That's why he started with the family. He has all the ace cards in his hands. So if you want our families to be in order to increase in diverse areas, our children to progress, our our marriages to be the best, to be what God wants it to be, then we need to align ourselves with our Creator. In fact, our life, our God. And I pray that the grace we need to work with God, to have an ever-increasing family in every area, to do what God expects of us, to benefit and enjoy his covenants upon our life. God himself, the almighty God, will grant that to us in Jesus' mighty name. Before we stand up to pray, just two prayer points. We're talking about family, talking about God. I don't know if there's anyone,